Good evening, everybody. We are here, 53rd session session of our Q&A, the 6th of Feb, first Saturday of of, of this month. Welcome, all of you. We have questions, as usual, some painful questions, but I pray that more than the answers, the Spirit of God will be there with you wherever you are hearing, and He will comfort you. Because he is the God of all comfort. So before we go into the word, sorry, the Q&A, we will pray once again. Father, we come at this time into thy hands, O Lord. Give us the wisdom to answer the questions of your children. So many out there, Lord, with doubts, queries, and with pain, Lord. Mm. Sometimes insufferable pain, Lord, they go through. But you are there with each one of them. Comfort them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Help us, Lord. Give us the tongue of the instructed to lift those who are weary, to comfort those who are mourning, and to strengthen those who are weak. Yes, Lord. Let your word that we speak, even as an answer to a question, be a word from you, Lord. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, so the first question we look at is, why do Christians bury and some cremate? Does it make a difference? Does it mean anything? Is there a Christian that is sitting on the fence that came out of some other religion and so they try to half-step? I'm confused. If you, if you look at as why do they do this? Because if I'm right, the first uh, burial mentioned in the Bible should be Sarah. Sarah, exactly. First burial as such. I mean, people died, but how, what happened is not recorded, but burial was the way in the Jewish system. So Sarah is buried, Abraham is buried, and you see it's subsequently people are being buried. So burial is the form, the Judaic, Christian, and post that, the Islamic, the Semitic religions appropriated the way of burial. But when if you talk about it, if you go to the word of God, the first thing God mentions about is words Genesis chapter 3 and words 19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Okay, so we are taken out of the dust and dust. And if you look, if you look into the Bible and if you look into history also, Millions of people have died in the sea. Mm. That's why in the book of Revelation, if you come to chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, we will see where it's 13, 20 and 13. The sea gave up the dead who Mm. were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. Okay, So, so if you ask... You definitely do not know how the sea gave up the dead. Okay. Sometimes the secret things belong to God. 
how did the body disintegrate? Of course, it was eaten up and gone. But the bones are there. The bones are disintegrated and it's all scattered. But anyway, we are getting a new body, the resurrected ones, the believers. The others are getting their old body back. I don't know what they are getting. Okay? So people have died in the sea, millions on millions. And many of them believers who have died in the sea. Millions have died in the land, been buried. Millions have died in the fire. Yes, one to the state, yes. Millions in war have been hacked to pieces and been, all kind of things have happened. Okay, so the question is, does it really matter? No, it does not matter. Just a question, okay. People would prefer, if you, if you want to be preferred to be buried, and especially in U.S., you've got the money to bury because it's a very expensive process in U.S. It's, a very, it's, not, a, it's not cheap. Remember in the beginning, uh, we used to we spend a lot of money in our churches abroad in burying. And because these were children, all who had come off the streets and all. And then finally, we were running out of funds. So we had to tell them, cremate them. And cremation is much, much, much cheaper. Much, much cheaper. So I would always say, it does not matter mm. whether you are buried or whether you are cremated. It really does not matter. But if your sentiments and your resources allow you, your loved one to be buried, bury them. And have a memorial too, that's all. There's no issues with it. But spiritually speaking, it does not matter. Mm. It does not matter. Whether you are buried, or whether you died in the sea, whether you were burned in the fire, you know what? You have disappeared. You have disappeared. That's nothing. When the trumpet blows, what happens is completely supernatural. Yes. You're not getting your old body back. Mm. You're not getting your old body back. The old body is not coming back. It is the new body that is coming. Okay. What it is, nobody knows. Mm. Really, really. We can speculate and all. Nobody can explain it. But you don't have to worry about cremation or I would say go by whatever. Uh, but it should not be a religious thing. Mm. That is where you have to be careful. Like I said, sitting on the fence. If that is part of your religion, if you're part of your religion, which you left, now you are a Christian, but when you die, you want to be cremated, then there is an issue over there. But if it is not, there are different ways. If you know the form of Buddhism in Tibet, you know how the dead body is disposed of. There are special lamas for that. The dead body is taken to the top of a hill and chopped off by that man and fed to the birds. Okay, So there are different ways of the disposal of the dead body. But for the believer, it does not matter, especially now. But to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Your soul leaves. What part of that was from God leaves. The body goes dust unto dust. And then on that day when the trumpet is blown, soul and your new restricted body becomes one. And that is what people are waiting for. All the souls are waiting for to get their resurrected body. And why are they waiting? Because God is waiting for the last man to come in. Once that has come in, the imperfect becomes the perfect. That's what Paul would say in in Corinthians Corinthians 15. Question number five uh, says, this is a very painful question, Pastor. My son and daughter and grandchildren all died sudden deaths. Actually, freaky deaths. Some had seizures, some had a coughed, choked and died. I lost my wife. She died in her sleep. She was only 50 years old. Is this a curse? If so, why? God is love. 
He's always a loving God. Why do they have to be taken away? And I'm a lonely man now. It's painful. Very painful. I understand that. My heart is with you. I know you. I pray for you. And uh, we do not know all the answers. So I don't want to put you on a guilt trip or a condemnation or anything. We don't know all the answers. There could be many, many reasons why all these things happened. But all I can tell you is how to respond the right way when tragedies like this happen. We turn to the book of Job. Chapter 1 and verse 18 onwards. Remember the first his report is about how he has lost everything, his property, his wealth. Everything is gone in one day. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground. Meaning his grief is real. But he worshipped God. Mm. And he said, Naked, I came from a mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Why it happened, he himself doesn't know. He's not a bad man, he's a good man. He's the best man. He's not a good man, he's the best man. God himself attests to his integrity and his righteousness. But in one day he loses everything. But that tragedy never causes him to question either the goodness of God or the sovereignty of God. Mm. Never causes him. Because what happens to me and you does not change who God is. There is an enemy. It's a devil who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Why God allows, we do not know. We do not know. We know the end of the story of Job. Okay, God restored everything except he cannot restore the children back. But we know one day those children also will be restored, like Job probably is with all his children now. If the resurrection for the dead has taken place of the old covenant, he's got all his children back. He didn't lose anybody. Yes. He only gained... Uh, how many more at the end? Seven more children. Seven, seven more, more yeah. in, in heaven. Fourteen yeah, children. Yeah. So he, when he, when the, when the tragedy struck, he lost seven. Mm. But at the end of it, if you look now, he's got fourteen children. Because mm-hmm. everything works for our good. That is where we always have to live. Well, uh, feet should be firmly on earth, but let the head be in heavens. Amen. Okay, head be in heavens. That's what it says. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000. Okay, leave that. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he had, he God gave him more children. Mm-hmm. Now, the point of it is that if he looks back, he has more children today than before the tragedy, because heaven should be as real for us, or even more real. Faith up ultimately becomes more re- real than sight. It's a process. It's not easy. Mm. I'm not making it easy at all. Because whenever things comes like every day this morning, when things come, first is you're shaken in the sight. Then you this thing back and you come back to faith and you move on and you realize God. How do you go? Because you know God is real, heaven is real, and God is in control. Of a child's life, God is in control. And Job was very 
real about it. Now, in another case, we have in Samuel, Second Samuel. Again, I'm just, I'm not telling you what is the reason. I do not know. There could be lots of reasons as to why. We all, we remove, we know that the hedge was removed. There was a hedge around Job. The hedge was removed and the devil could get it. So how the hedge was removed, why the hedge was removed, I don't want to speculate because it's not my job to speculate right now. But in Second Samuel and chapter 12, verse 19 to 23. When David saw his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said he is dead. Now remember, this child is dead because of him. Mm. Who removed the hedge? He removed the hedge. He brought death into his own home. Mm. Okay? So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You have fasted? And wept for the child while he was alive. And when the child died, you arose and ate food. Then he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell where the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Okay, so you need to, these are two righteous men. Okay, one was not guilty and he lost his family. One was guilty. And he lost his child. But if you look, both worshipped. That is the key. Scripture says Job worshipped. And scripture says there, David worshipped. Okay? Meaning nothing that happens to us will take the fact that God needs to be worshipped. Mm. Simply because he is good. Mm. And the fact of us who are saved is this. Our children die. They die saved. They will not come back to us. We will go back. And you know what? He's absolutely sure about his salvation because God told him, I've taken your sin away from you. And he's absolutely sure. That's how you handle tragedies. Yes, loneliness is there. It is pain. Memories are there. But you have to learn to overcome it. It's not easy. I'm not saying it is easy, but it will. But the way you will overcome it is by thinking about it in terms of heaven. In terms of heaven. This is the year 192021. Okay, April 15th, April 15th, my son who died will be 25 years old. Okay, I don't think about him as a baby who died at the day of 40 days, 45, he was born on April 15th, he died on May 30th, 45 days old. I don't think of him as 45 days old, I think him of 25 years old. And I'm going up there, I'm not looking for a baby. Mm. not looking for a baby. I'm looking for a son. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a son who will be 25 years old. Like because time has... I don't know. But I still like that. You know, when you think like that and think in heavens that our children don't die, they are living over there, you know, you learn to live with it. You learn to live with it. You learn to live with it. Okay? So that's how you look at it. Okay, that initial period, God gives you a season to grieve. And after that, you move on. You know why you move on? Not because they are forgotten, but they are there forever. Mm -hmm. That's that is the joy of those of us who know we and the household are saved. We don't we don't grieve like the world grieves. The world grieves in such a way where there is no, no hope. hope. 
Okay. We grieve with hope and which brings salvation from that situation. Amen. So one more painful question. Yes. Uh, this is question number three. I'll not read the name. Mm. Always struggled with fear. This is your child. Mm. I was abused as a little girl for 20 years. I fear men. I am not a lesbian. But I want my soul redeemed from fear. Okay. One of the kids who got saved online and all these children are coming home. Just thank God for every one of these children. Okay. Abuse causes trauma. And that's a doorway through which these spirits get in. The spirit of fear. The trauma gets in. Okay. Uh, long time ago we preached where we said sins need forgiveness. Mm. Okay. Sickness needs healing. And oppression needs deliverance. Some people need all three. Actually, we all need all three, depending mm. upon, okay? Forgiveness for our sins, healing for our illnesses, and deliverance from oppression. In this case, <coughs> first thing this child needs is forgiveness. Because what happens to abused victims is they start thinking that, you know why I was abused? Because I asked for it. I am the guilty part. It has to be. Now, people will simply make a statement like, you cannot have any smoke without fire. Mm. And it gets into the head and says, okay, this happened to me because there was something wrong with me. It happened. Maybe I did something. Okay? So, they, so first you need to realize, you are forgiven. You were not responsible for that. So, don't go around with false guilt. Mm. False guilt. We were all sinners. So God has forgiven you of everything. Even though you are not responsible for these things, yet you are a sinner. So God has forgiven you. Okay? Now you need healing. You need healing from the wounds of what has happened. Your soul needs healing. That's what one of Jesus' first words in the Gospel according to Luke. This is the first thing he says. So you have to go to him, the only one who can do it and trust him. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Okay. Which is true. What happens is because of the trauma, there is fragmentation that takes place. It takes place. Your soul gets... It's, it's a spiritual thing. But it, if a plate falls, you put a foot on a plate, it will break into pieces because of the pressure. So your soul also fragments. And Jesus comes and puts it all together. He heals the brokenhearted. And because you're constantly abused, it will split into so many pieces the trauma has caused it. You have to be healed. And God heals you. You have to ask... Keep asking, Lord, heal me, Lord. Make me whole. That's what Bible says. Do you want to be made whole? Yes. That's the actual term King James will use with a man with 38 years. Do you want to be made whole? Okay. To heal him, Jesus said, pick up your, uh, to get up. Mm. To make him whole, he said, pick up your mat and go. Mm. Two things that is done over there. Among the ten lepers, all were healed. One came back, worshipped God. 
And Jesus says, you are made whole. We have to be made whole. We have to be made whole. All kind of people. It's just not this kid alone. A lot of people go through trauma, through emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all kind of things. And because people cannot take it, because God has made our soul like that. Our soul is very tender. God has made it that way. That's why it said about Jesus, a smoking flax he will not put out. A bruised reed he will not break. He's very gentle. Very gentle. That's what what he was watching over David, the way he was handling his flock. The eaves that were heavy and the lambs he was watching. So you know what? He's a very tender shepherd. That's why he was upset with what he did with Bethsaida. He said, you are violent. You are violent. This is not my man. This is not my man. You are not this kind of a person. You see, being violent in war is one thing. That is not actual violence against a person. It is a violence against an idea. Because your enemy represents an idea that is hostile to God. So that is a different violence. When God says, thou shall not kill, it means thou shall not murder. Mm. Okay, yes. murder, premeditated, yes. first degree, cold-blooded cold murder. Mm. It is not talking about that. Okay, So if you read through the law, it will have. So there is trauma. You need to be healed from trauma. And third, you need to be delivered from that spirit of fear. And God has not given. First, you need to know God has not given to you. So if God has not given to you, don't keep it. And the Bible says in 1 John, okay, other than the very fact that you put your hand on your head and say in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command the spirit of fear to leave, then how do you walk in it? 1 John chapter 4, Verse 16 to 18. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Mm -hmm. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Okay, So the first thing he says, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts away fear. Now what is he talking about? Simple thing which I counsel people is that go through the Bible and meditate upon scripture that talks about how much God loves you. The first, the most well-known is John 3.16. But other than that, there is scripture after scripture after scripture to show how much God loves you and cares for you. Mm. you know, the Bible is full about how much God cares. And you know, when you meditate upon the love of God, fear goes away. It fears goes away. It's like children. It's dark. The power goes out. Cry out, Daddy, mommy. And then Daddy is there. They don't care. It is dark. The carrot is dark. Okay, this card. And to make you laugh, there was this little boy where the power went and there was thunder. So his mom came. He called her mommy. He called me. He says, mommy, can you sleep with me today? She, she said, tonight. He, she said, no. Daddy needs me. So he said, that big sissy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you need to realize children are not scared. Children are not scared at all when their parents, unless the parents are afraid, and then you pass that fear <laughs> on. 
But our God is not scared at all. So God, you know, you have to go through scripture. That's what the Bible is talking about in verse 16. We know, we know and have believed the love that God has for us. Look at NIV. I like the NIV version also. It's interesting how NIV puts it. We have known and we rely on the love God has for us. We rely on the love for God. At the end of the day, what is everything happening? What are we relying on? Our works? No. We're relying on the love of God. That's why the Bible says love is the greatest. You know, that's where you have to. You have to love. You know, what? how do you do this thing? You have to believe. You have to believe God. You have to believe. I'll show you how you believe. For this child especially and all the other children. Come to verse nine, Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 1, onwards. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, the secret place is a place of love. Hmm. You have to meditate on the love of God, the love God has for you. Meditate on it. And you know what? It brings assurance. It really brings assurance. Okay? It is like the baby who is crying. You take the baby in your arms, you hold it close, and you rock it, and the baby goes to sleep. You keep your hand over there, and go to my favorite and the smallest psalm, Psalm 131. Look at a big man rocking himself in God's arms, and he's surrounded by problems. Psalm 131. Oh Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. He says, now if you look at the weaned child, it's the mother who comforts him. But he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. How did you calm and quiet your soul? By meditating on the love of God. Hallelujah. Mm. That's how he comes. You know what? My God loves me. Okay. Now keep your hand, go back to Psalm 91, but go to Romans. These are practical things which you meditate upon. That's why scripture says meditate upon the word of God. Go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Yeah, verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who even at, is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See, it's love that comes. It's the love of God that gives us our boldness and our courage and our confidence and our sense of security. It is nothing else. Nothing else. Okay. There are so many aspects of God. The holiness of God does not give me security. Mm -hmm. The righteousness of God does not give me security. Okay. It is the love of God that brings me my security. That even if I'm not holy enough and even if I'm not righteous enough, you know what? None of our children were. But we just loved them. Mm. And we still love them. Yes. We still love them. 
And that's what the Bible says. And that's what casts away all fear. Now connected with this situation, you meditate upon the love of God and the goodness of God and commit yourself into the hands of God each day and you have to believe. Going back to Psalm 91. By faith, I will dwell in the shelter of the Most High. I will rest into the shadow of the Almighty. And you have to say what you believe. You have to say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. And then what happens? Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler, that is the devil, and the perilous pestilence. He will cover me with His feathers, and under His wings He shall take refuge, and His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. You meditate. I shall not be afraid of the terror by the night, nor of the arrow that flies by me, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonside. He says, I will not, I will not. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand. It shall not come near me. You have to read it personally. Okay, this thing. And you know what? You meditate upon the word of God. You meditate upon Psalm 23. You meditate upon Psalm 121. You meditate upon these Psalms. Go through the scripture. Pick up according to your situation. These are the promises of God by which we partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. What is part of it is fear. The entire world is controlled by fear. fear yes. And we are not. We are controlled by love. Amen. So the fellow who is walking in fear and lust, when he sees our love, he judges us in terms of his lust and his fear. Okay, And that is what is offending Goliath when he sees a young boy standing over there. David is fearless. David is fearless. And it is because he's absolutely confident. If it was my God who protected me when the lion came and the bear came, and he will protect me. He's absolutely confident in his God's protection because God cares for us. God loves for us. Mm. And that's how you come out of it. Mm. You know, there are three stages. And one is the stage of forgiveness. The other is the stage of healing. Mm. And the third is the stage of deliverance. And you walk in your deliverance. You walk in your deliverance. You meditate upon it. And um, sin will come. You will fall. Everybody will fall in word, thought, deed. You go back again to the word of God. And look at 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. So many have to give you this back over and over and again. My little children. How does God call his people? My little children. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know what? He's not against you even when you fall. He's for you when you fall. That's how kind and compassionate. That is not telling that you should keep falling and lying over. He says, get up and go. Father will forgive you. He will cleanse your righteousness and he will give you strength to walk again. Because in the kingdom of God, you have to walk without condemnation. Because condemnation is one of the weapons of the enemy. Okay, fear, because I fell, how will I go back? I'll get right and then go back. God says, no. No child gets right and comes back home. You come back home and get right. Okay, get right. No, So that's what God is talking about. And that's how you overcome this. <coughs> and you have to, yeah. Pastor, does it take a long time for healing to happen or is it? Depends upon how you understand the truth, believe the truth and walk in it. The truth sets you free. First, do you know the truth? Do you have access to the truth like now you heard? Now the question is, will you believe what you heard? Mm. The Bible says if you believe, all things are possible to him or her who believes. 
So do you believe? Do you take it as God speaking to you? Deliverance will take place just like that. Mm. Just like that. The reason why I'm asking is that in a physical hurt, you know when it heals. But how do you know when, when something which is deep down inside, if it's spiritual or even of the soul, how do you know that one, one is healed? How you react? Oh, that's that's okay. When a physical thing is there, how do you know it's not healed? Because there is pain. Mm. Okay, there is pain and there is fear. Don't touch me there. Mm. Okay, when you have been healed by God, if you are touched there, you don't respond. Mm. You don't respond. You don't like respond. the way you used to. Yeah, you used to respond. If mm. try people try to call you by your past. Mm. You would get traumatized, you get upset, you get angry, all that. That's gone because you know that's not true. You're healed. You're healed. No? It doesn't hurt you anymore because you know what? You've been repaired inside. He has made you whole. Amen. It is not even a even broken plates. You cannot fix it. You can put quick fix and fabric quick and all, but the cracks will show. When God makes you whole, nothing shows. Seamless. Amen. Nothing shows. And God can do it. Hallelujah. And you have to believe. And by faith, appropriate the healing power of God and be made whole so that you can go out. And the third part of it is that after that, God gives you a ministry mm. to heal the brokenhearted. He mm. gives the, the brokenhearted. So what the devil meant for harm, God turns it around for good. The devil oppressed and abused Joseph for 13 years and he turned it around and became the healer and the savior of all who were going through trauma. Because of famine, he became. Moses murdered a man and he went through that 40 years of trauma of what he had done and the loss of everything. But God used the same man to rescue Israel out of their trauma. Paul was responsible for the death of many Christians, including some Stephen. Stephen. And God used that man, healed him, made him whole, and he became the man on which the church was built. Hmm. So God turns it around. And you have to come to third the third part you have to come to. Mm. Okay. Then only you have actually finished the whole thing. Yeah, you become whole. Okay, basically. you become whole. Mm. In that, you know what? What happens? The Bible says, okay, yeah, the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 1. The comfort. Verse 3. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. When you go through this, when you are being made whole, he's comforting, who comforts us in all our tribulation. This is tribulation, what the child went through. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, you know what? You, you are able to say. Somebody comes and says, you know what I went through and you are able to minister to them. How can you? You don't understand. You will be able to say, I understand. Mm. I understand what it is. I went through it and he made me whole. So now you know what? Your life has become a testimony. Hallelujah. Okay, God turned it around for good. Imagine Job comforting after Job 42 chapters are there. 43 chapters are there. Imagine Job 44, 45, 46, 47. What is people who have lost families wow. and he's able to comfort them. Mm. Stand there. God is still good. He's not bad. He's good. Stand there firm. Stand there firm. He's able to comfort them. Mm. He's able to comfort them. So many terrible things that happened in my life, God turned it around. You know, you're able to say, you don't understand. I say, I do understand. What is loss? I understand what it is. It is understand. No? Mm. It's not... Head, headology. It was headology, exactly. Heartology. Heartology. You know what it is. And what is that you're talking about? It's not, I can handle everything. No. 
God came through. Amen. God came through. He came through and he healed. He restored. He's a good God. He restored. Okay. Yes. Pastor Vijay. Yes. Another question from uh, another place. It's question number four. I want to learn how to work through every problem when it arises. We may, we, we have many of them now in the USA. I'm prone, am I, I'm prone to wander. Please help us in this area. Okay. See, <laughs> wisdom doesn't come in one day. Okay, you learn. You, you learn. Okay. You learn. And, uh, it does not happen in one day. Okay. It's a process. God is teaching us. That's what life is all about. Yeah. But if you go, the, the wise man learns from the experience of others. Okay. We say experience is the best teacher, yeah. but experience is not the best student. The wise student who has learned from the experience of others and avoids that path. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bible does not say experience is the best student. Bible says experience is the best teacher. <laughs> what you won't learn from somebody else, God has to teach you in your own life. So you don't, okay, so you look through the Bible. Okay, that's how you understand wisdom. You look, like I said in the morning, the Bible is not a book of rules. Mm. The Bible is a book of principles. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you will see rules and miss, miss the principle. Mm. And that's what wisdom does. You go through that and you understand the principles on which the kingdom of God, kingdom of God operates. And those principles have power. Rules will change. Principles don't change. Yes. Principles don't change. Rules can change. So the Old, Old Testament rules are in there in the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. But the principles still remain the same. Remain yeah. the same. Yeah, absolutely. That is why we have to be very, very careful how we read the law. Yes. Because the letter of the law kills. kills. The Spirit brings life. The Spirit is the principle behind it. Why did when God says something, you shall not uh, yoke an ox and a donkey together? Now you should ask, what, what difference does it make? <laughs> what difference does it make? What, what difference does it make to the field? If that's the way it can be plowed, that's the way. What difference does it make? You have to ask, why did God say that? Mm-hmm. What's the principle behind it? Do not mix cotton and linen. Now, there is no pure cotton. Everything is mixed. <laughs> okay. Also, I am old covenant. The law, I cannot wear this. Is it pure cotton? No, we don't do that. But what was the principle behind that? And then you look at it and you will realize that the mixed multitude is the one that started the deterioration, the fall of Israel. Yes. Okay? And God is telling us, you cannot mix the kingdom of God and the world. There is a separation. Mm. Don't try to mix. You cannot mix light mm. and darkness. Mm. Mixture won't work. So that principle was taught to them in object lessons. But if you try to bring it as a letter of the law now and try to practice it, it will kill us. We have to look at the principle. So in this question the child is uh, asking, you know, we have to ask, I have to understand the principles of God, the principles of wisdom, how to handle each situation when it comes. It takes time. When trouble is coming on, we have to ask God. God says, if anyone lacks wisdom, when trials and situations comes, anyone lacks, give, he gives liberally. liberally. Yes. Liberally. And you have yes. to ask Lord, give me wisdom for this situation. You have mm-hmm. to rely on him. He is the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom mm-hmm. of God. Lord, show me, teach me. But you have to study your word also. So that when he tells you, you know he's telling you because you know what? You look in the Bible and say, yeah, yeah, there's an experience. Who's Abraham's, Isaac's, Jacob's? No, and he, God speaks to you and he will show you from scripture and immediately you know God is speaking to you. That's where the word of God becomes living. He will tell you. 
He will tell you. Not that you can pick up and do what you want. But God will speak to you literally from the word of God. He will speak to you. And when it's not there and he needs more, he will give you a dream and a vision. and He will give you all that. But usually the word of God is enough. When the word of God is not enough, he goes beyond that. Like in this situation over here, like in the American political situation, you hear about Man after man, woman after woman, from all parts of the world talking about dreams and visions. You know why? It's reassure God's people. I got I got it. Mm. I got it. Different parts of the world. People are getting dreams and visions about what happened over there and how God is absolutely in control. You know why? Because a whole chunk of people around the world are shaken by what happened. They are questioning and God is calming them. So he's going beyond the written word of God. He's speaking to them through dreams and visions. He say, I got a handle on it. Don't worry. You know, it comes. So sometimes when you are so rooted just in the word of God, like Peter, you have to be given a vision. Okay, otherwise he will not. He will not do what he's told. Because he's, he's not a bad guy, he's a good guy. Absolutely on the written letter of the word. Mm-hmm. But he has to be shown. And then the vision is given. And two times, three times. Then he gets it. This is what God wants. And then it is confirmed what is told. The people are waiting at the gate. Mm-hmm. And then he's able to break his entire life's law mm-hmm. and go and sit and fellowship with the Gentiles before they are saved. Mm-hmm. Not even after they yes. are saved. Before he was saved. So that's how God works. So, so God will give you wisdom. One part of the question says, I am prone to wander. Yeah. How do we, how do we come back? We come back, that's what Jesus talked about in different ways he spoke about it. He says, the wise man built his house on the rock. <coughs> How do you wander? You have to question, where do you wander from? Oh. Mm. Okay, when you say wander, you need to ask yourself, where am I wandering from? Mm. Do I have an anchor? Do you have a base? Mm. Okay, a boat is floating in the sea. The question is, it's floating in the sea. But where did it come from? Yes, what support? Yes, that's right. What was support? Where was it beached? Where is it? Where is the harbor? Where it is? So you need to realize, where are you wandering from? Are you wandering from the word of God or just wandering? The homeless man is also wandering. The man from the home also can wander. The man from the home is wandered from his home. The homeless man is just wandering. He has no home. So when we wander... How do you get back? You get back to the word of God. You get back to the God of the word and the word of God. The prodigal son wandered away and he came back and he was restored. So the thing is that we come back. We always come back to the word of God. The spirit of God will always lead you back to the word of God. When he comes, he will lead you onto all, all truth. truth. And Jesus said, sanctify them by their truth. Your word is truth. He will lead you back. And that is established. Once you understood a principle of the kingdom of God from the word of God established. You lay your anchor over there and says, I will not be moved from here. I'm not going to wander from here. This is an established principle. I stay over there. Not the letter of the law. I told you in the morning about the law. The yes. problem with the law, there are loopholes in the law. Yes. Lots of loopholes in the law. So you can add, subtract, all kind of things you can do with the law. But you cannot do that with principles. Mm. The principles are forever. Yes. But it's a kingdom principle. Therefore, ever and ever reflects the nature of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. This thing about wandering, it happens with everybody. Even if you're in the ministry and if you're like, uh, you suddenly, you, uh, you, God has given you a vision and it's quite possible. 
that over a period of time you get distracted from the vision and you That's the test of the vision. Like Joseph was tested until the word of God was true, true. Okay, vision is given. Then you are tested. Do you believe? Second, are you worthy for the vision? Because when the vision is given, the vision is true at 17. But he's not worthy for the vision. Character-wise, mature-wise, ah, he's okay. not ready for ah, the vision. Yes, 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 so yes. he has to be made ready for the vision. And for the made ready for the vision is only through trials and testing. That's where the Bible uses the term. I don't know which translation uses in proven character. It's uh, uh, NASB. Uh, True, I like that. I was Rom- looking for that. Romans, Romans chapter 5. 5, no, 5, 3. One translation uses that term. It's an excellent translation of that, you know. And not only that, we also exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance, what is that? Proven, proven character. What does that mean? You are tested in the same area over and over mm. and over and mm. over and over. Each time you are resisting it, resisting <laughs> it, resisting it, resisting That is perseverance has mm. come in. You know what? That now brings proven character. You have proved to man, to God, and to the demonic entities, this is who I am. I am going to be shaken. That's it. You know, when that proven character comes, that gives you hope. Yeah, mm. That gives you hope. Hope of what? Not of your salvation, of your crown. Yes. It gives you hope. The crown, the hope of glory. Mm. That is the hope of glory. Hope of glory comes only from proven character. And character cannot be proven unless you are tested. Mm. And consistently through testing, you have to come through. And you have to persevere through. Mm. And then you know what? That is the hope of glory. And that's what God does. That's what God did with uh, Joseph. Mm. Joseph is a perfect example. Otherwise, you should ask this question. There are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, starting with creation to the death of Joseph. Thousands of years have passed by. But almost 13 chapters uh-huh. is about one man. That man, history is more than all the other generations put together. Wow. Forget his father, grandfather and great-grandfather. All the <laughs> generations put together, this man is given 13 chapters. Creation is given only two chapters. Okay. Overcoming is given 13 chapters. How will you overcome as Jesus overcame and sit on his throne and reign forever is the 13 chapters of, of the book of Genesis. Genesis 30, 37, leave 38 of Judah and Tamar out all the way to 50. How did this man overcome? How did Jesus overcome? Look into the life of Jesus and live it. And you will see those principles are there. In his history is the story of Christ. How did he overcome? And we learn from that. That's how scripture becomes living Amen. and alive. Yes, Pastor. Lee. Pastor, this question is one of the most interesting questions I've uh, seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think principles will come here. Mm-hmm. Question number one. Okay. How do we balance the present against the future? Is it wrong to save money for the future? Is it wrong for us to check our bank balance and then give extra? Mm-hmm. Do you think we are being calculative and selfish? Apart from tithes, apart from love offerings, sometimes you are caught in a tight spot. Someone has an emergency and you can you check your bank balance. You realize you have it, but you turn them down. Is that wrong? Is that being selfish? I always feel bad, but I have a tough time handling this. Happens all the time. Today I believe I am tight-fisted, trying to search my heart and ask what would Jesus do. Super question. The first question is, is it wrong to save money for future? Long time ago, uh, a sister asked a pastor, is it wrong to wear cosmetics? Is it a sin to wear cosmetics? The pastor said, for some women, not to wear is a sin. 
Okay. So we have to balance. We have to balance scripture. Okay. In the same way, let me tell you. Is it wrong to save money for the future? It is wrong not to save money for the future. Amen. Is it wrong not to save money? This is something called a principle of stewardship. The principle of stewardship. If you go to Luke chapter 19 and verse 13, <coughs> our favorite verse again. Mm-hmm. Occupy till I come. Okay. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered them to them, 10 minus, and said, do business till I come. What do you expect from business? Loss or profit? Profit. <laughs> profit. Okay. If your bank account is empty, it is not profit. It is loss. Okay. <laughs> it is loss. So God expects you to save. You're a good steward of money. He expects you to be thrift, save. You really need to save. Okay? Giving away is a different thing together. Mm. Okay? But God expects you to save. You are not running on a zero balance. Okay? You're not running on a zero balance. He expects you to save. And actually people can save. Like I said in the morning, God's, no, evening, I said, God said, do not worry. God did not say, don't plan. (coughs) Don't plan. And Nehemiah had prayed and asked God, give me favor with this man because I am the king's cupbearer. And then at the appointed time, five months later, when God touched his heart and the king said, why are you sad? Then he gives a reason. So the king said, what do you want to do? He had planned one, two, three, four, five. Everything worked out ready because when you are talking to the emperor of a nation, you make it two minutes. Exactly. Yes. Two minutes. Why? To make your request. Mm-hmm. And he got it out, planned, cleared then. You know, when you go to big people and meet on, they don't give you time. <laughs> Yes, sir. He won't say, sit down, wait, have to use it. What's your issue? Precisely, you tell him. And he got it planned out. <clears throat> so we should plan. We should plan. We should plan out our finances. You know why a lot of people struggle in finances? They never, never plan. Mm-hmm. You know, let's imagine you got a child in school or a college. <clears throat> your salary is so much. You know when the fees comes. Yep. You know how much is the fees. You know exactly if you put away this much every month, at that time when it comes, I will have the money. People don't do it. Hmm. You don't have to be Einstein to figure that out. <laughs> you don't even need a calculator. Hmm. Okay? If my salary is 25,000 rupees, or 20, 25,000 rupees, my child's fees is 15,000 rupees at the end of the beginning of a financial year, how much do I need to put away? It's as simple every month. How much do I need to put away? It's very simple. Okay, so in Malayalam we we have in English we have in Malayalam many drops make an ocean. The problem is people have not. See, everybody says when I get a big amount I will save. Nobody saves like that. Mm-hmm. You spend it usually. You have to learn to save small amounts. You have to learn to put away small amounts and don't touch it. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away. Why? Because it's a part of stewardship. Mm-hmm. Because when he comes, he will ask you. In this case, the literal case, but spiritually it's a different thing. But in this case, imagine, Jesus gave us all 10,000 rupees each. And after two years, he comes and says, show me what you did with the money. And you say, I didn't do anything, I lost it all. What will he say? Unfruitful fellow? Wicked fellow? You lost money, you did not, you did not know how to do business? I expected you to give me 25,000 rupees at least back. Or 50,000 rupees back. Okay, that's what he's talking about. So giving is another part. Financial stewardship is something which we have to learn. We have to learn. Otherwise, you know what? You will be always caught in this debt trap. Mm. You have to learn how to invest. 
people have to learn i mean i mean we are not talking about us in ministry but even ministry people should learn to know how to invest your money you just don't do that's why they have investment managers investment banks and investment managers you need to look and you need to know how to invest your money you know why because god said do business till i come because if i have 10000 rupees and i put it here 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 look at three options and I, you look at it what do you look you look at two things first is security the second is which gives me the best returns yes you have to bring these two together security some things will offer you great returns with no security, security yes. we call it in kerala blade companies blade companies. they will cut you <laughs> Hmm. blade companies okay you have to study but better than study get a reliable firm or something and let them do it for you whatever funds or hedge funds and whatever i mean if you are but if you are good in it you can do it yourself or otherwise basically what saying you know that i'm keeping money for a rainy day see god is not printing money in heaven okay it's all here on earth when you have reached a point where you cannot do anything expect a miracle don't expect god to do things which you can do a lot of things which we can do our problem is we don't do the things which we can do and we expect god to do that and god says no i don't do i give you wisdom i give you my mind apply it and you can make money you can save money and saving money is not a crime not saving money is a crime okay let's look at the word of god proverbs 13 and verse 22 A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children hmm. not just to children not just to children he leaves to his grandchildren you know why he was a good guy with money he was a very smart fellow with money he knew you know what he did he said he left an inheritance for his children and to his grandchildren so all he has to teach them is principles of righteousness principles of hard work get all these things but you know what let me tell you you get a man you get two people and both are equally hard working equally righteous one man has money the other man has no money who do you think will work more efficiently the one who has money the one who has money because he has he doesn't have to worry about peace peace of mind he's yeah. got peace of mind okay that's a security we are talking about okay security <laughs> i'm talking about that the conditions are the same and that's what god is talking about so saving money is not nothing wrong we should save money which that's why god says go and learn from the ant he says you know the ant and the grasshopper fables and all from the ant stored up for winter well the grasshopper if i'm right was a fellow who was dancing yep okay he stored up and people do not have have not stored up and it is not yeah go to the ant you slugger consider ways and do wise which having no captain overseer or ruler okay provides of supplies in summer gathers her food in the harvest okay it's a learn from the end okay it's a wisdom that's something which we have to do because it's important and it 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 can be little at a time that's why we said people are guilty of not planning guilty of not planning you, once you have lived on your own outside your father's house you start earning and you have start managing your own home in the first year you understand what expenses are expenses are by now you should know like pregnancy a child is coming on the way you know when the child is coming 
approximate date and month is given, nine months, right? How much is going to cost me? How much is covered by insurance? How much do I need the difference? It's not difficult to think it out and not panic. You can plan it out and you have to look at it. You don't need a spreadsheet. You will realize, you know what, I don't need this. I don't need this. I can cut from this. I don't have to cut from this. What is my need and what is my want? My God shall supply all my needs, not all my wants. So you have to be very, very careful that you don't bring your emotions over it. With a cool mind you need to think is that, you know what, I'm cutting out my wants to make money for a need that is coming nine months from now or a fees that has to be paid 12 months from now. I'm cutting out those ones. And people usually do not have money is because they spend on their wants. When they know that a need is coming, the need is coming. That is what God is talking about, stewardship. Long time ago, I preached on the stewardship of your finances, on your money. God is looking for good stewards. Good stewards. That's what talks about being faithful with unrighteous mammon. Stewardship is important. The second part of the question over there is, again, do you think we are being, uh, is it wrong for us to check our bank balance? Of course, I check my bank balance every day. (laughs) (laughs) And then give extra. Today, my bank balance went almost to minimum and then filled it up to give it away. Because we are not worried about it. If we check your, if you don't check your bag balance, how can you give it away? Okay. Do you think we are being calculative and selfish? No, you are being pragmatic. You are being smart. You are being wise. You are being discerning. Apart from tithes, apart from love offerings, sometimes you are caught in a tight spot. Someone has an emergency. You check your bag balance. You realize have it. You have it. And you turn them down. Is that wrong? This is where we have to be very, very careful. There are two sides about it. One, the Bible says this, so we have to go to scripture. Hmm? Book of James. Chapter 2, verse 14 and 50 and 16. What does it profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Okay, now he's talking about faith without works. Faith without works, okay? So you have to be careful about this. There is a need, and you have the resources to meet that need. And God says, it is right before you, you see it, and you are being very superficial, religious, and you walk away, then your faith does not have have uh, works. On the other side, you also need to realize in certain situations, especially connected with big money and everything and all, faith comes from hearing. Okay, it, Faith does not come from feelings. Sometimes you see a situation, you feel so much and said, poor thing, let me help it out. Without realizing, if you had waited for five minutes or five hours, God had already had touched somebody to take care of it. And you put your nose in and stopped the work of God and you gave all your savings away. And then now you are struggling because you actually did not hear. You did not hear. Okay, So we have to be very careful about it. Don't jump and do anything, anything immediately. 
That is why the Bible says, look at the situation here. We read that yesterday and today, Nehemiah chapter 2. Yeah. Nehemiah chapter 2. Okay. Verse 2. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Okay. Yeah, verse 4, verse 4. The king said to me, what do you, do, what do you request? Did you see the gap between verse 4 and 5? This one thing written there. What do you request? And I said to the king, is our usual response. But that's not his response. I pray to the God of heaven. There's a situation here. What do you want me to do? So this is not my money. Though it's in my pocket. And I worked for it. It's not my money. It's your money. What do you want me to do it? Should I put it here or not? But in a situation where it doesn't make any difference to you at all, give it like feeding, food, clothes and all should not be an issue at all. And if it is small amounts of money also, it should not be an issue at all. We are not talking about that. We are talking about things which affects your life also. You can't bring emotions over here. Emotions over here. You have to be very, very careful about it. Because you don't play God in somebody's life. That's where let God be God. And if God tells you, yes, I want you to put all over there. You put the whole thing over there. He prayed. He prayed to the God of heaven. He prayed to the God of heaven. Okay. Now you, let me ask you this question. Go to First Kings chapter 17. Chapter, no, it's not seven, uh, 17, yes. Verse 12 and 13. So she said, ask the Lord. She's a poor widow. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. What does he say? Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go do as you have said. Make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Let me tell you, where does he have the guts to say this? Because of verse 9. Because of verse 9, he has the courage to say this. Otherwise, we will never say that. Nobody will ever say that. You know what? Arise, go to Zarephath, we belong to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. You know why he says that? Problem, we don't hear this. We go tell every widow to give her their bread to us. That's what big ministries do. Taking money from all the widows. Send the same letter to everybody saying, the Spirit of the Lord is telling me so into my ministry. We'll get $10 back. Put $1 in. They're playing lottery. This man heard. Very clearly heard. So he went and told that, you know what, you can give it to him. You will not go hungry. You will not go hungry. So there is one part of it which you need to be very, very realized. Where there is a need and you have it, especially with food and clothing. I'll always say with food and clothing. I would say don't hesitate. Somebody is hungry, give them. What will cost you? You may miss a meal. Big deal. So what? You can miss a meal. That one must have missed three meals or four meals or six meals. Give it away. Or clothes, give it away. These things don't matter. Money in small chunks and all don't matter. 
But when it comes to a real big financial decision, big decision, wait. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? And if the Lord has commanded you, this is their breakthrough and your breakthrough. You give it away. That's what he tells the woman. Make a cake and give it to me. My breakthrough is coming. I'm not going to go. He realizes this is stop two. And this is going where I am going to be for how long, I don't know. This is my breakthrough from the famine. This is her breakthrough for famine. You can put it in. You have heard. Okay, you have heard. Like Isaac heard. Isaac heard. It is, it is famine. Everything is dry. Everybody has gone to Egypt. And God said, sow your seed. Sow your seed. You need to realize, if you understand farming or ancient days, there is seed that you eat. And there is seed you keep to sow. You don't sow that seed during famine. Because after the famine is over and when the rain comes, you need to preserve your seed to sow. But he heard from God. Heard from God. You know to what he took? If you take in terms of his money, he took his entire savings and he sowed it. And he got back a hundredfold that year. If it was not God, he would have been the biggest fool in that country. He lost his entire seed. Now after a year, rain has come. He has no seed to sow. Okay, This is where hearing comes. That's where you use your discernment. When God says, you just open your mouths. But when God does not say, and there is a need over you, which is big, you stop. You stop. Because you know, ultimately you have to, you have to believe and realize actually believe. Ownership is with God. He told me, occupy it till I come. Do business with what I have given. It is Him. I have to give an account to Him. So it is not mine. I'm not saying it is an excuse of not helping people. But it's it gives you discernment how to react and act in situations. And also the other side is that in that thing in giving what happens is Something one, one of the fundamental principles you need to understand about giving. Jesus says this, give and it shall be given unto you. Is there? Can we have that, Sammy? Pressed down, shaken together. Matthew, right? So it looks 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. One of the principles of this thing you need to realize in giving, which I have learned in my life all these years. First, he will test you in your giving. But if in your giving is activated by God, you will also see the coming in. If you do not see the coming in, you are giving by flesh. The scripture cannot be broken. If it was Elijah who spoke and not God speaking through Elijah, the next day the bin will be empty and the oil will be over and both will starve. The Bible says the bin was not empty. God will test you for a season. Why? He's teaching you principles. After that, you know what? The fear of giving goes away. Absolutely no fear of giving. You know what? You have realized you have tapped into a kingdom principles. I am giving and it's been given back. I'm giving, and you know how it is giving back is more than what I am giving. 
I believe she had a little, if I go back, 17, you know. You look at verse 12. Okay. She said, I have only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. Okay? And now, if you go to word 16, the bin of flour was not used up. What did she have before she began? Handful. But after she gave, what did she have every day? A bin full of flour. Not a handful. You see the difference? Before she had only a handful. The bottom, she had to scrape. But because this was from God and she obeyed in a very difficult situation, next day onwards, the bin is full, the jar is. And it never ran out. It never ran out. You know why she has understood the principle of giving. So we have to understand, like I said, there are principles in the kingdom of God. So their principle is there in Luke. Give and it shall be given unto you. And you give, you give, and you give, and you give. There are a lot of principles of finances, okay? There are lots of principles of finances which you study in the Bible. This lady talked about tithes and offerings and all that, no? But after that is all, these are all financial principles. And when you are giving and it is not coming back, you know what it means? It means God doesn't trust you with your finances. Because what has it been given for? To give away. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. President, what do you do? You give even more. And he gives back even more. You know what he says? You have established stewardship. I can trust you with resources. You will just give it away. I can give you as much as I want. You will give it even more out. And I can give you even more. That's the key. That's why I always said, always check. Don't check uh, how much you made. Check how much you gave out. That's the actual picture of whether God trusts you with anything whether it is mercy or compassion, love or grace or money or resources, everything. The thing is that if your heart is very small, it's because you did not give away. If you find it very difficult to forgive, it's because you have not given away forgiveness. If your heart is very small with mercy, it's because you did not give it away. Because everything in the kingdom of God works on this principle. It's just not money. The more you give away mercy, you suddenly realize the more merciful person you become. The more you are gracious, you realize the more grace you have to be gracious, even in situation when it is impossible to be gracious. That's how it works. And it's a fundamental principle in the kingdom of God. And you look through all this realizes, and you realize, you know what? The kingdom is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. It's a matter of power. Amen. Okay? Emotions are there, but let it be at the back burner. Let it be a good Servant, but faith in the front. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Master, I think you should take another session on finances. That will be great. <laughs> Finances. Yes, okay. yes, you have to because okay. um, it's it's something I think it's uh, all of us need to... Finances. Yeah, okay. Is, you have to handle this. Uh, I think we'll do question two and we'll, we'll finish. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we did with everything. Yeah, yeah. Right? Question number oh, two. Yeah. Moses had no direct orders from God to kill the Egyptian. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> when a person is unsure of God's will, he is usually apprehensive, concerned what others say or think about his actions. Why are we always concerned about someone else's opinion? Sometimes I get mad when people talk junk about you and they don't even know you. They are so quick to tell you what God has for you and give you a Bible study about your life, your actions. Is it wrong to turn around and say, stop judging me, judge your own heart? 
I believe when I react in anger, I ask the Lord, is this righteous anger? Or should I not say anything and just be quiet? But then you can say, you're being a hypocrite, not telling me why you're you're mad. So there again, you're caught in a catch-22 situation. Okay, the first thing I will have to tell you is this. Uh, about Moses, God definitely did not tell him to kill the Egyptian. Okay, he acted in his flesh, so he took a 40-year retirement before he was called back to service. Okay, But there is an anger problem, short-term bird, anger problem, pride, because he was prince of Egypt and all those things put together and God didn't had called him, but God couldn't use him as he was. But leaving aside that, okay, leaving aside that, to your question when you look about it, first thing we need to realize is that um, judge and you shall not be judged this day. With the same measure you use, the same measure you use. Yet there is a book of judges in the Bible and judgment is there throughout the Bible. So one of the first thing about judgment, you need to understand fundamental principle of the kingdom of God is that where you do not have authority, don't judge. So when somebody is trying to give you a Bible study on your mistakes, first look at that person and see if the person has authority over your life. Is this a person which God has placed authority figure in your life. In that case, be very careful. Listen carefully what he or she is saying. Second, even if you or she is not an authority figure, when they are saying something, just listen. Because wisdom can come from the mouth of babes too. When Balaam's donkey did not have authority over Balaam, because he was sitting on the donkey. He had authority over the donkey. But the donkey was the one God used to try to stop this stiff-necked donkey. The donkey was sitting on the donkey. But the donkey, which was carrying the donkey, had more sense the donkey was sitting on it. <laughs> okay. God, because the donkey is a stubborn animal, God used a donkey to speak to a donkey. Okay. The prophet who was called a seer couldn't see the angel. The donkey, which was not a seer, saw the angel. Okay. These are the <laughs> fundamentals of the Balaam story. Okay. So sometimes you just need to listen. <laughs> just need to listen to see what are, where are they coming from. Okay. Then I learned a beautiful line and I use it all the time from my wife. Mm-hmm. If it does not apply, apply let, it fly. let it fly. I'm also using it. <laughs> okay. That's one lesson my wife taught me. We are used to this. Okay. Every name under the sky. Okay. Under the second heavens and the first heavens. They have used in me, against me. It doesn't bother me. Honestly, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me if they don't use it. Meaning, is there something wrong now? Why are they not calling me this? Even today they call me names and I'm okay with it. Okay. So, I'm talking about my online enemies mm. who write to me all kind of ABCD and call me names and all that thing. No, that's fine. It's interesting when they try to call me names, the demonic in them. He gets his spellings wrong, so I have to figure out what they're trying to call me. <laughs> <laughs> to an English teacher, that is <laughs> <laughs> okay. But leaving that aside, the thing is that if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Okay. Now there's a fundamental principle if it is right, is Proverbs 15 and verse 1. And I will give you two stories I've heard about from your own nation, so you will understand in US. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay? And somebody is being soft. Soft answer will put them to shame. They are judging you. You smile it away. Or you answer softly. Okay? But 
you give a harsh word, it makes it even more worse. Okay, they also get now after wrath, righteous anger also will come. You're not having appointed prophet over your life. You're not listening to my words. All these kind of things they will start say. Let's leave it alone. Okay, but give you. Let me give you a situation, real situation that happened to guy is talking about his friend. He said he was driving in some highway and he was stopped by the cops. The reason was somewhere else and robbery had taken place by a man in a similar car, model car. So. When a cop stops you, be polite. Be polite, okay? So when the cop stopped him, he was rude. He was harsh. He yelled at the cop saying, why did you stop me? This thing went on. So the cop said, please get out, sir. Okay? And he got out angrily and he brushed against the cop. Stage two. Now put your shirt, put your hands on the car. Whatever happened, he spent a week in the jail. Think about it, okay? A soft answer. Yes, sir. Stop. You should always be polite with people of authority. Okay, yes. Authority is given by God ultimately. Be polite to them. The cop stops you. Be polite. You don't have to shout, scream or anything. Yes, sir. Stop. Show your papers. Have a good day, sir. And go. It's done. They are under pressure. They are under pressure. Okay? You are also under pressure. So why should two pressure cookers go at the same time? You can calm your nerves, he can calm, you can calm his nerves, and the whole thing turns out to be a good thing. God bless you, sir, it is gone, it's overdone. So you know what? A soft answer could have turned the situation completely. Now what has happened? It is forever in your record. Okay, you spend a week in jail. Your neighbors know, everybody knows. After some time, people will not even know why you spend in jail. The only thing they will tell you are a jailbird. Stories will keep on changing as to why you spend a day, a week in jail. After some time, it becomes a month in jail. After some time, they say you spend a year in jail. You know how this thing spreads. All because a soft answer turns away wrath. Mm. Okay. Another story of a young man and his wife. And he's a pastor and uh, they have very limited money and they have to, he has to drive and one of the roads he drove is one lane, this thing, and he gets the ticket home. It's $50. $50. And that's big money for them. Those years, big money for them because they cannot afford it, but they have to pay the fine. And uh, because he was working, he sent his wife to a young girl, I think she was pregnant, to a young girl to pay the fine. And she came there, very gentle, very quiet, very meek, and she said, and the officer looked and said, uh, it's hard, right? She said, yes, sir, it is hard. He said, give me that ticket. He changed it. He said, $15 is enough. That's okay. Take the 35 back. Hmm. Did you see the difference? Soft answer. The soft answer turns away wrath. She would have said, it was unjust what you people do. Should have made it too lane. Nothing. Soft answer. Immediately the mercy of God came over there and changed the situation. Okay. So that's what my Bible is talking about. People will say, just let it pass. If it does not apply, let it fly. If it applies, take. You don't have to tell any. You're not accountable to them. You don't have to tell anything to them if they don't have authority over you or anything. Just leave it alone and go back to God and say, Lord, I thank you. You used a raven to feed me. Mm. You used a raven to feed me. You were talking to me. I thank you for that, Lord. It's a check. It's a check on me. But if it does not, 
It was a test, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I had self-control. I learned the principle in the kingdom of God. When somebody judges you, you don't have to respond in the same way. And I know about your history also. Okay. You learned the lesson. Okay. So that's how you apply it. And you go through life. And you know what? Through it all, your character is being proven. Yes, yes. Your character is being proven. For what? For the day of enthronement. Proven character will give you hope. Paul, through all his trials and testings and all, by the time he comes to the end of the life, is so proven character. His hope is so real. While he's living, he's able to declare his crown. I got it. Amen. It's like students, math, not English students, math students. You know, <laughs> how much will they get? Hundred. Sure, sure. Absolutely sure, sure. And they get the hundred. They get the hundred. English students used to come and tell me, sir, I expect this. I said, you expect your expectation, my expectation, two different expectations. It doesn't work like that. This is literature. This is not math. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But that is what you talk about. I like it. It was NASB. I always used to think which translation says proven. I thought that was the best translation. Proven character brings hope. And God is trying to prove it to whom? Not to God. To us. He led them into the wilderness and, and caused them to years. hunger and fed them in manna so they would know what was inside yeah. their heart. Amen. We think we are cool until we are tested. Mm. We think I am this most gentle, kind and <laughs> long-suffering. God says, you wait. <laughs> At the next traffic stop, I will show you. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> 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 uh, Hallelujah. Oh, Okay, we'll close. Yes, Pastor Vijay, you can close in prayer. Tomorrow is first Sunday. Though it's the seventh, it's the first Sunday and uh, join us all who are joining us. Prepare us through the night or tomorrow night, your night, our morning and we'll have communion together. We'll come to the Lord's table. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for answering all our questions, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Father, for for your love toward us, O Lord. Yes, Lord, you loved us, O Lord. And we rely upon your love, O Lord Jesus. It is on your love that we rely. And this evening, O Lord, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you for every brother and sister who has asked all these questions. I pray, Father, that we will, that all of us who have joined and hearing your, uh, these answers and who will hear in the days to come, O Lord, will be edified, will be strengthened. They'll have more clarity, O Lord, and the resolve and their, and, and their and their convictions will become even more stronger, O Lord, and they will love you even more and follow hard after you, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this time. Once again, we just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Father, and everything that we go through, Father, we know truly, Lord, all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to your purpose. And every situation that you allow into our lives, O Lord, Lord, you, you are not... Uh, you have not uh, uh, abandoned us, O Lord, Father. You are always there, O Lord, Father. You are not a God who tests us to to look down upon us or to, uh, Father, have some kind of a saddest feeling out of it. But because you love us, you only test us to promote us, O Lord, because you love us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you be, are in the hands of our Heavenly Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.